This is the Foot in the Box podcast for the week of Monday, August 8th. And now, Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the A Foot in the Box podcast. My name is Peter Elliott. And I'm Paul Elliott. And this is a weekly uh, baseball podcast. Our studios are in Champaign, Illinois. If you're traveling through the area, always let us know. Yeah, we can arrange a personal tour. Get Cracker Barrel or something. <laughs> uh, Paul, we have a lot of uh, baseball things to discuss this week. Probably one of the biggest baseball news weeks we've ever covered as a podcast. So let's get right into it. Well, I guess first, our Nelly fun fact, he starred in a movie in 2014 called Reach Me. This movie, I'll just quote from, I think it was Rotten Tomatoes, the summary, uh, a motivational book written by a mysterious man goes viral and quickly gains popularity, inspiring a group of people that includes a journalist, his editor, a former inmate, a hip-hop mogul, an actor, and an undercover cop to reevaluate their choices and decisions by confronting their fears in hopes of creating more positive lives. Uh, it has a 4% score on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> is Nelly the hip-hop mogul? He is. So uh, based on the preview, and I was going to play the trailer, but it really wouldn't make much sense just listening to it. Um, this guy um, writes a motivational book that takes the world by storm. Everyone loves it, including Nelly as this hip-hop mogul. And um, they all try to find this guy that wrote the book. The guy is actually Tom Beringer, who is Jake Taylor from Major League. Hmm. So there's your baseball tie-in. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is the editor I mentioned earlier. Wow, and, that's an interesting role for him. Yep, and Terry Crews, who we saw play Celebrity Softball. Maybe it was just me. I did not see Terry Crews play softball. I think I was getting ice cream. You were getting ice cream. Uh, Terry Crews was also in the film. What's so motivational about the book? Uh, it's just one of those kind of self-help books. The book is called Reach Me. Hmm. So that's where the, the name of the movie comes from. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, our Matt Bush update. He threw two scoreless innings this past week. Nothing more than that. Seems to be back on track after his, uh, his hiccup the previous week. Uh, quickly, the trade deadline, we covered most of it last week, but Jonathan Lucroy finally got dealt. He went to the Rangers. He hit two home runs on Saturday night. Uh, Andrew Miller went to the Indians. We talked about that. Uh, interesting note on him, he was brought in during the sixth inning on Thursday's game against the Twins. Uh, it's kind of a must win because they had lost the first three games of that series to the Twins uh, at um, Progressive Field. Uh, so they had to win it. They brought in Miller in the sixth. Uh, so it seems like Miller's not going to close for them. Mm-hmm. Interesting strategy. Different than how the Cubs have used uh, Chapman so far. And then Jay Bruce um, got dealt to the Mets. He's had a few home runs. Uh, what's strange about him, 27 home runs, 84 RBIs. I think both lead the National League. Uh, that only equates to a 0.6 war. It's not a good batting average, not a good on-base percentage, and uh, certainly doesn't give give you much value in center field. Yeah, um, and I haven't been monitoring this, but have they been sticking him in center at all? They haven't yet. They've moved Granderson over, right? Just experimenting, I think. Yeah. Any other uh, notes from the deadline? No, I thought my biggest takeaway was that the Rangers, I think Ben Lindbergh wrote this, but the Rangers went from being lucky uh, for, through the first half of the season to being legitimately the best team in the American League with hmm. Luke Roy, Beltran, and uh, Jeffries. Getting them at the deadline. Yeah, I forgot they got Beltran. So, yeah, I I think they're the favorite in the American League, um, which is a pretty big swing. They were probably, I would say, the third best team before the deadline and the best team after. Do you think that Lucro deal, if he would have went to the Indians, if he would have accepted that deal, they would be the favorites? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. So it's pretty close. It's close. The Indians would have made that... Um, so different is that the Indians have gotten zero out of their catcher so far this hmm. year. So getting 
uh, above average value there would have made them a really, really good team. All right, moving on to A-Rod. Uh, finally, some Sunday news broke before our podcast recording, Paul. Yeah, usually, thank, usually thank, it breaks afterwards. Thank the Yankees for an 11 a.m. press conference. <laughs> yeah, apparently not a lot of churchgoers in that organization. <laughs> So Alex Rodriguez, uh, very unique setup. He's playing one more week as a Yankee and then going home for the rest of the season, and then he'll come back next spring as a minor league instructor. Uh, he's still going to get paid the rest of his $20 million this year and then his full $20 million next year. Uh, Paul, what would you make of the uh, strange circumstances? Yeah, I mean, strange is a good word for it. Uh, I'm still a little unclear like he can sign with other teams, right? You no, know, he's not released. I guess if he wants to play, maybe they'll work out some sort of trade or release. I saw Buster Olney and Tim Brown from Yahoo. They both said they would not be surprised if he played for another team. Yeah. So I don't know if it just it's a more gracious exit now. That, I was trying to think of uh, you know why both sides agreed mm-hmm. to it. Uh, one reason why Arod might have agreed to it is that. On Friday, he can leave New York, and I think he lives in Florida, um, and the state uh, tax laws are much different, and so the rest of his money this year wouldn't get taxed as highly as it would Because there's no income tax in Florida? Something like that. Remember, that came up during the heat pursuing Bosch, maybe? Uh, Twitter had some fun with this. Uh, Baseball Essential, I don't know if you follow them. I don't. They uh, tweeted out, how would you describe Alex Rodriguez's career in five words or less? And here are just a few of the um, the responses. Maybe you can pick the one that you agree with the most. Mm-hmm. So five words or less to summarize Rodriguez's career. First one, uh, inflated by performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, second one, mistakes made but all-time great. Hmm. Fourth or third one, the most hated superstar ever. Uh, fourth one, swatting the ball from Arroyo. <laughs> and then fifth, uh, overhyped, overrated, overjuiced, overpaid, over it. Are all those hyphened? Uh, over it is the only one that's hyphened. What um? If you ha- would you use one of those or what was the second one you said? Mistakes made, but all time yeah. great. Yep, I go with that one. And I thought I thought we could cover more of his career in full uh, next week, just to give us a little more time, because uh, especially from a statistical perspective unless you have a bunch of stuff prepared. Um, from a stat perspective, he has a fascinating career. I saw a tweet this morning that said, uh, picture Mike Trout uh, as a shortstop, and that's what Alex Rodriguez was mm-hmm. to start his career. Um, so I thought we'd cover it more next week. Does that sound good? That sounds great. <laughs> awesome. Uh, he does have 696 home runs. Uh, will he get to 700 in his career? No. I don't think he comes back. I okay. think he's done. And he's not going to get it this week? No. That, that would, would be, that'd that'd be would, so cool. They said he's going to get a few at-bats against the um, the Rays, but then no guarantees. He's probably going to start on Friday there, right? Right. His but. last day. I wouldn't uh, wouldn't bet against him. Um, I think he does get 700. I think he comes back. He was a good player last year. Yeah, he had a really good year. I was there's a couple of websites, New York Times and I think the New York Daily News, that they put out like timelines of Rodriguez's career, kind of like all the noteworthy things, mm-hmm. and those are just fascinating. We can mm-hmm. get into more of it next week, but yeah. uh, if you have time this week, I recommend going to either of those sites and and reading through everything that's happened, both the good and bad in Arod's career. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can also talk about Ichiro more next week. He's probably going to hit his three hundred three thousandth hit by the time. People listen to this. Yeah, he's one hit away, right? Yep. Uh, I wonder what what would be the most Ichiro-ish way for him to get his... He almost beat out an infield single last night. You think that would be the most Ichiro type? Uh, Probably like a slap single to left field or something like that. Yeah. Let's see. What else? Uh, uh, Giancarlo Stanton hit a 500-foot home run. Did you see that? Uh, At Coors, yeah, I did. The video replay of it, we tweeted it out. You can go watch it. Uh, it didn't seem like a 504-foot home run. I was expecting a longer. Uh, you got to remember that Coors is so deep in the center, though. But you thought when you saw that, you thought it was, like, longest in if a long I, time? If I would have seen it on TV, I probably would have said, like, 480. Okay. I mean, it's three-quarters of the way up in the left field. Yeah. Um, 
Bryce Harper. Struggles continue. Uh, since the All-Star break, he has a slash line of 134, 259, and 209. That slugging percentage is awful. Uh, one home run and two doubles in 81 plate appearances. Uh, a lot of articles about Harper's struggles this past week, including one from <laughs> myself. Paul, what are your, what's your take on Harper? Is he going to rebound the rest of the year? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not concerned about Harper. Uh, he's having a down season, but uh, he's still a awesome awesome player and um i have i have no question that he'll rebound okay uh mike trout turns 25 today on sunday so happy birthday mike trout um paul i asked you to come with your like favorite mm-hmm. trout stat what uh, what did you bring well, as luck would have it i just bought play index on saturday so i had some fun with this i have a few factoids about trout so pete mentioned he just turned 25 uh, that's your factoid. <laughs> yes, he's playing next for that. He has already. Or I should ask, what percentage of players has he surpassed in WAR? All time. Ninety-six. Ninety-eight percent. Wow. Just think about that. He's already surpassed ninety-eight percent of players that's in a WAR. Pretty, pretty cool stat. In a little over four seasons, that's better than he's already surpassed the value that um, Daryl Strawberry, Albert Bell, Hack Wilson, Juan Gonzalez. Um, those were just the guys right behind him um, in a little over four seasons. It's insane. Um, second best start of a career ever, according to War, uh, behind Ted Williams. And if you actually look into Ted Williams' numbers, it's insane how good he was. Um, seventh best OPS to start a career in the first mm-hmm. four years. And the guys in front of him are all Hall of Famers or should have been Hall of Famers, Ted Williams, Shoeless Joe, Frank, so t- Frank Thomas. Ted Williams' body is still frozen, right? I believe so, yeah. That's pretty weird. Yeah. Fun fact, and this is where Playing X is such an amazing tool, Travis Hafner is 12th best on that OPS Plus list this turn hmm. career. Where was Trout? Seventh. Okay. Yeah, so essentially uh, Trout has second best start of a career ever. Uh, he's a phenomenal player, and... Um, being 25 myself <laughs> puts things into perspective a bit. Yeah, we're both 25. Hard to believe all that he's accomplished. And I saw on Instagram, uh, I'm big on Instagram apparently, uh, he is recently engaged as well. So, so add that to the list of you things are, that I haven't accomplished. You're, you're a follower of like pro athletes on Instagram? Just uh, base of players I really enjoy watching. I haven't made that jump yet. I Harper and Trout, I wouldn't wouldn't follow them on Twitter necessarily, but Instagram, I don't check it all that often. Uh, but I, when I do, I can just you know go to their page and just see the last few that they posted. Since I po- posted my article about Harper's Instagram, he's posted several times. So it seems like he's getting back in hmm. the Instagram world. Uh, my favorite stat on Trout, uh, a bit underrated, is his ability to steal bases. At a high level, uh, for his career, he's an 85% base stealer, and in his rookie season, he was 49 of 54. Wow! Uh, so steals a lot of bases, but is also very good at it. Another factoid for you: his senior season, he was a good basketball player as well at his high school in New Jersey. Uh, what do you think he averaged for points and rebounds? Um, six, he's six three. Yeah, I always. He's taller than I would initially think. I would say he averaged 22 points and 8 rebounds. 14 points and 11 rebounds. Hmm. Kind of a a dirty work type of guy. All right, so that's all I got on Trout. Happy birthday, Michael. Um, Speaking of great outfielders, Ken Griffey Jr.'s number got retired over the weekend by the Mariners. Uh, So no one's going to wear that number ever again. He's also getting a statue. Next year, uh, the Mariners put together a great video yep. narrated Fantastic. by Macklemore, and I thought we could play that on the podcast right now. Once a generation, a player comes along who not only excels at the game of baseball, he transforms it. The babe, Jackie, Hammer and Hank. 
to say, hey kid. And then there's Junior. Welcome to the show, Jim Griffey Jr. The backwards cat, the beaming smile, and that swing. It was poetry. What a swing by Junior. That brings goosebumps to me. Ken Griffey Jr. was baseball for 22 seasons. We look forward to seeing something special every time that he took the field. And he delivered. Perfect timing. <laughs> I don't believe it. You know why? He is almost gold gloves now. Who can forget hip-hop hooray? The menacing waggle of that dark-stained bat. Who can forget the first pitch he saw in the kingdom? Who can forget the sprint on Edgar's double that turned the Northwest baseball crazy? It's a long road from Seattle to Cooperstown. It winds some 2,400 miles through big cities and small towns. At every stop along the way, there's a Ken Griffey Jr. story. On little league fields across the country, every kid wanted to be the kid. At major league ballparks, big leaguers marveled at the magic for two decades. His outstanding offense was rewarded in silver and his dazzling defense in gold. He's one of only eight members of the 600 home run club. And he did it the right way. Junior transcended the game. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Ken Griffey Jr. Ken. I picked Ken Griffey Jr. It's Ken Griffey Jr., man. He even ran for president. We need a man in the White House who can hit a Mark Lakeson overhand curveball. Ken Griffey Jr. put Seattle baseball on the map. And then our hearts. And though he will live forever in Cooperstown, his first baseball home will always be here. Our beloved Dave Niehaus said it often, and he said it best. So good. Phenomenal. Gives you goosebumps. Oh, yeah. I will definitely show that to my children. I was actually thinking about that while we were listening to it. You should tweet it out today so that it's in your time hop. You'll forget about it. Yeah. I I don't think Macklemore wrote that, but um, whoever wrote it did did a phenomenal job of capturing kind of the essence of who Griffey was in terms of like little kids emulating him and Mm -hmm. while still like being big leaguers being astounded by what he was doing. Like yep. just everyone was kind of in amazement of who he was. Mm-hmm. Griffey will always be way more than his numbers. His numbers are great, the uh, 600 homers, um, but like his career war, not that good. For a guy that has crazy good athleticism, uh, good defense, like you would expect it to be higher. Um, so to me, he's more of a cultural yeah. you know, icon. Probably the, one of the last baseball like icons that everyone – I guess Jeter came after him, but mm-hmm. those two would be like the last two of a generation of yeah. baseball being a huge. Also component. makes me think about like I've kind of become resigned to the fact that the Sox are going to have to trade Sale to like, be good again, but like 
it's just such a bummer that nowadays, like, it's rare that you have a guy mm-hmm. uh, like that stick with a team for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very jealous of Mariners fans. Yeah. That they ha- they share that special bond with, with Griffey, and it seems like he shares it with them. Yeah, I mean, the Cubs could have that with Bryant or Rizzo or yeah. Russell. Yeah. Yeah, Bryant, I, th- I can see it. Rizzo came up too late. I mean, Griffey came up as a teenager. Okay, uh, so moving on, a couple more things before we get to our segments. First, uh, Paul and I are going to play a game called Buy, Hold, Sell, and uh, this pertains to the Fangraphs playoff odds, and we'll link to those in the podcast episode page. You can also find them by just going to Fangraphs and clicking standings and uh, playoff odds. Uh, so, Paul, first I'm going to shoot you some buy, hold, sell questions about the American League playoff odds. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, so Fangraphs, as of Sunday afternoon, gives the Astros a 21% chance to make the playoffs. Uh, are you buying, holding, or selling that figure? Um, Selling. Yeah, I... They're four games out of the wild card at this point. Yeah, uh, I'm selling. Um, it just, yeah, this year there are, have been glimmers of hope for the Astros um, where you think they're going to rebound, but I just don't think their starting pitching has been good enough. Okay. Uh, the Tigers, they give a 60% chance to make the playoffs. I'm buying on the Tigers. I've uh, During our All-Star show... Projections for the second half, I had the Astros in as the second wild card, but I've kind of since switched that, and I like the Tigers um, to be that second wild card in the American League. So you give them, you would give them a higher higher than sixty. Yep. All right. So the American League East is uh, somewhat complex. You've got three teams: the Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Orioles, fighting with teams like the Tigers and the Astros uh, for division wild card. Um, so I'm going to ask you to rank. The Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Orioles in terms of playoff odds. So right now, Fangraphs has the Blue Jays at 83% to make the playoffs, the Red Sox at 81, and the Orioles at 59. Uh, would you go with that order, or would you switch it up? Yep, that's exactly what I would go with. I think Blue not Jays... Bu- not buying the Orioles. Not buying the Orioles, no. Even though the Orioles right now are tied for the division lead, two games up on the Red Sox. Yep, no, I'm selling on the Orioles. Um, I, d- I still don't like their pitching, Um their bullpen, it's been bad. Their string pitching has been brutal. Um, Dylan Bundy is kind of a bright spot. He's He'll be interesting to watch down the stretch, but I think the Orioles will just miss making the playoffs. They are currently beating the White Sox 10-2. to two. Yeah, everyone beats the White Sox. So. James Shields went one and a third, uh, three home runs, eight earned today. So Machado had three homers in the first three innings. Yeah, yeah. If, they, if they could play the White Sox every game down the stretch, I would buy them. Let's see, is he going to get a chance at his fourth? We'll get back to that. Okay, last one. Uh, Royals, White Sox, and Yankees all have around 1% chance to make the playoffs. Of those three teams, who would you place kind of a, a miracle bet on? Royals, White Sox, and Yankees? Uh, I'd go Royals, even though none of them are going to make the playoffs. But. Okay. I mean, the Yankees, I think they're only like five games out. Yeah, they've won 8 out of 10. Not buying it? Not buying it, no. Getting into the National League. National League is actually less, far less competitive than the American League. I think the highest odds you saw were the Rangers at 88% in the American League. Mm-hmm. Both the Nationals and Cubs are at 99. Nationals are at 99.5. Cubs, 99.9. Um, are you buying or sell, selling or holding on the Nationals <laughs> and Cubs making the playoffs? I would buy it because I would put both of them at 100. Um, you think both those teams will win their divisions? Yeah, I mean, the Nationals are up seven games on the Marlins, nine games up on the Mets, and the Cubs are up ten and a half on the Cardinals and twelve and a half on the Pirates. So, yeah, I would say both of them, with quite a bit of confidence, are going to make the playoffs as the division winner. Um, now, Fangraphs, interestingly, has uh, the Dodgers, second place in the West, Dodgers, as having a higher playoff odds than the Giants. Yeah, I saw that. Dodgers are at 90.6% chance to make the playoffs, and the Giants are 87.5. Do you agree with that? I'd probably put the Giants higher. Dodgers have been just riddled with injuries, and uh, I'm not sure that Fangraphs can really calculate 
like uh, the toll of those injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, Kershaw is going to be back for September. He is. Mm-hmm. When that come out? Friday, I heard it. Okay. He's got a shot at the MVP and Cy Young still. Mm-hmm. It's a crapshoot in the National League for both of those. Uh, yeah, I mean, if Kershaw comes back, if you could guarantee me, guarantee like five starts from him, I would take it. Rich Hill was supposed to start today, but got pushed back because of a blister. Um, same blister that was giving him problems in Oakland. Yes, it all depends, I guess, on health of starting pitching for me. We didn't even mention Puig got sent down to the minors. Yeah. Such a busy week. So it sounds like you like the Nationals, Cubs, and Giants to win their divisions. Getting into the wildcard teams then, Dodgers, like I said, Fangraphs gives them a 90.6% chance, gives the Cardinals a 47% chance, the Marlins a 36% chance, and the Mets 22%, and then the Pirates at 15 Do you mm-hmm. like that order? Dodgers, Cardinals, Marlins, Mets, Pirates? Uh, Probably. Um, I don't trust the Marlins. They've never, I get, they've made the playoffs twice and they won the World Series twice. So they've never made the playoffs and not won the World Series. Uh, so they don't have a history of just finishing seasons well. Uh, so I don't trust them. And seems like an interesting reason not to trust this year, this year's version of the Marlins. Just as an organization, they they don't make the playoffs very often, I guess. Uh, well, the Cubs haven't won a World Series in 108 years. <laughs> well, so. that you could have had suspicions about them last year, but last year proved. proved I, the, I agree with you. I don't really trust them, but it's more because I think their starting pitching is bad. Okay. Uh, trust the Cardinals. They have a history <laughs> of making the playoffs. I think people are sleeping on the Rockies. The Rockies, one point six percent chance. You know how many games back they are in the playoff for the wild card? They, I think they're at this. They have the same record as the Mets right three. now. Three, the Rockies are three games out of the playoffs. And what were they giving one percent chance? One point six. It's nuts. I'm totally. That would be a fun story. Totally buying that. They are down four to nothing right now to the Marlins, uh, but I'm buying the Rockies. They're my team. They're fifteen and seven since the All Star break. Uh, like I said, only three games out. They've had really good starting pitching. John Gray, Tyler Anderson have been good, uh, especially John Gray. So uh, I'm rooting for them. Probably won't pull it off, but that would be a great story. Yeah, if I had to bet right now, I'd go uh, Dodgers-Cardinals for the two wild cards. But no one really wants that. Mm, I want Kershaw in the playoffs, and I want the Cardinals in. Ichiro struck out in his first at bat. FYI. Any other questions? I uh, do not. Okay. Moving on to our baseball on TV segment. This is where we recap a episode of a TV show where baseball is the core components. This week is my selection. I went with House. Uh, episode is Sports Medicine. It's Season 1, Episode 12. You can find it on Netflix. Um, yeah, House is a TV show from 2004 to 2012. Hugh Laurie is the main doctor. I'm sure most people have heard of it. Uh, the critics were big fans of the show. 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Paul, did you enjoy this episode? It was okay. I'm House isn't my cup of tea, I'll be honest. Uh, not a big fan so, of the show. Did you use tea because he's British? Is he British? Hugh. Uh, I did not, no. Um, never really liked the show, um, but the the episode was interesting. Yeah, so the episode revolves around this star pitcher, Hank Wigan. Mm-hmm. Good pitcher, was dominant, hurt his shoulder, uh, experiments with steroids. Right? And, and like harder drugs. Okay. Like cocaine and marijuana. Okay. I was I was watching this while doing other things, I will admit that. Uh, so he's amped up to start opening day against the Yankees. And that this, comes up about four times in the episode. This fellow... Um, the guy that plays Babe Ruth and Sandlot, is he the general manager, agent? Agent. Agent. Okay. He's kind of hanging around. He's taking drugs himself. For a heart condition. Yeah. Uh, that, that guy also plays the first baseman in Field of Dreams. Yeah, he's you're got, right. He's got a couple lines. Um, so there's, the whole show is about, you know, diagnosing this Hank fellow. He's going to die at some point. His wife is pregnant. So she can't give up her kidney for 
uh, Hank mm-hmm. as a transplant, uh, questions of aborting the baby, which luckily doesn't happen. And then um, turns out they find out he's on hard drugs. So he, the treatment is just stop using those and you're, you'll be all right. Sort of, yeah. So his his arm breaks during a commercial shoot, uh, and they find out it's because his uh, bones are really brittle. They're becoming weaker. And so before they operate on that elbow, they have to figure out uh, how to make his bones stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the whole episode is trying to figure out how to do that. And then it turns out he had some sort of uh, disease because he had smoked uh, cannabis, <laughs> marijuana. and uh, Thanks. And... Uh, there was something uh, with the marijuana that had contaminated it, and it was causing his livers and kidneys to fail. To fail. Yeah, so pretty good episode. We should start some sort of rating scale. Mm-hmm. This was this was by far the most like uh, intricate. Sure. Yes. For and it was a it was a modern show. Yeah. Set in like early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Modern baseball. He went seventeen and seven with a two point one ERA, which at that time. Is unbelievable, and we're not sure of the team, right? Right. Yeah, just an American he's, he's league team. Going to play the Yankees on opening day. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the clip we're going to end with is the very start of the episode. It is Hank uh, filming a commercial shoot. He has some problems with uh, with acting, so uh, enjoy. Are you thinking about taking drugs? Well, think again, because drugs are not the answer. Take it from me, Hank Wigan. Oh, don't remember this ugly mug? Two years ago, I was a star. I won nine games in a row. But by the end of August, I was gone. Cut! Cut! Not good, huh? Oh, you caught the ball. So there you go. That was our Baseball on TV segment. If you have suggestions, feel free to tweet him or email him at us. You can email us at afootinthebox at gmail.com. All right, uh, taking up a lot of time, but again, it was a heavy baseball news week, so we'll be short the rest of the way. We've got out of the box, a couple of different articles that we have read. TWTW, Paul, what are we looking at this week? We are looking at base running. Okay, sounds fascinating. Sounds of the game, best comeback in baseball history. Wow, that's a teaser right there. Yep. Uh, after that, we are going to update a couple ongoing games that we have, the Memorial Day trade deadline game and Summer Flicks. So uh, stick around for those and then finish it out with bottom of the ninth. But first up, out of the box. All right. Uh, so a topic that has been kind of fascinating to me recently has been Andrew McCutcheon. Um, so much so that I wrote a blog post on him yesterday. You, can you go did find that on a foot in the box. Um, but the article I wanted to talk dot, about dot com a foot in the box dot com. The article I wanted to talk about today was about Andrew McCutcheon. It was written by David Golubuski of Today's Knuckleball. This is the site that John Heyman has added credibility to. Um, <laughs> much needed credibility. Yes. Yeah, a foot in the box is a much better name than Today's Knuckleball. As opposed to yesterday's knuckleball or tomorrow's knuckleball. Anyways. Or today's curveball. Yeah, I don't really understand What's it, what's it talking about? Anyways, uh, David uh, asked the question, what's wrong with Andrew McCutcheon? And he tries to look at it from a statistical standpoint. Um, so uh, he looks at, a few, looks at this a few different ways. So um, McCutcheon's slugging percentage on pitches 95 miles per hour and above has been down significantly this year. So two years ago, his slugging percentage on pitches above 95 was 541. Last year it was 490. This year it is 227, hmm. which is terrible. So it's been essentially more than cut in half over the last two years. Um, so McCutcheon can't catch up with um, fast pitches. But then he's also struggled with off-speed stuff too. So he looks at his run value above or below average per 100 pitches seen. This is an interesting. This is an interesting stat. So on sliders, last year he was at plus zero point nine. So he was point nine above average hitting sliders. This year he's at negative one point seven. So dropped you know almost two full um, runs on that 
Um, so he can't catch up to fastballs, can't catch up to sliders or swings over sliders. Um, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't hit either of those pitches, his batting average on balls in play is down 40 points. So you could say he's unlucky, mm-hmm. but if you look at his contact rate, um, you know, he's making harder contact less often. Last year, his hard contact rate was at 40%. This year it's down to 33. So you could, I guess, look at it both ways. He's just not hitting balls as hard this year. Therefore his batting average on balls in play isn't going to be as good. Mm-hmm. Um, and now quoting a little bit of research I did myself, there's not really a precedent for this. McCutcheon is young. He's only 29 and he's been excellent up until now. Uh, he averaged over five war per season during his first seven seasons. Um, so having this sort of a drop off, he's at negative 0.3 now is just, it's remarkable. And the closest comparison would be Ryan Braun who had a one more season after having seven awesome seasons to start his career. So, but again, that's 1.3 better than where McCutcheon is right now. So I like McCutcheon. Hope he turns it around and he's just been a real enigma so far this year. Mm -hmm. And one reason could be um, just his body breaking down. Sure. Uh, He's played 146 games or more the last six seasons going into this year. Yeah. And um, he's played a majority of the games this year. Um, Their trainer did come out recently and say that he's as healthy as anyone on the Pirates. So that certainly doesn't help that argument. He had a thumb injury earlier in the year that might have kind of thrown off his swing. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you want to say this this season, this type of season just happens to guys sometimes, but that's not really true when you talk about McCutcheon. Like guys that are that good, almost like a trout, um, don't have seasons where they're below average, below yep. replacement level value. So I, yeah, kind of speechless. If they fall out of the playoff race, which seems likely, I would sit him for the rest of the season. Yeah. He didn't, he's not, even they sat him three games recently and he hated it. It's not it. long enough, but he needs to recharge the batteries. What do you have? All right. So, uh, I got an Olympic article. The only reason for baseball to be back in the Olympics from Jeff Passan of Yahoo Sports on August 4th. Paul, have you watched any of the Olympics so far? I watched part of the USA-China game yesterday. Basketball. Wasn't much of a contest. It was not. Domination. Other than that, no, I haven't. I'd like to watch some more. Uh, I was watching some swimming stuff Saturday night. It's good stuff. Uh, so this article is about baseball in the Olympics. Are you aware that baseball and softball are making a return for the 2020 Olympics? I am, yeah. Japan is hosting the 2020 Olympics, and they are baseball crazy there, more so even than America. Uh, Baseball and softball have only officially been around in the Olympics uh, from 1992 to 2008, so just five Olympic games for baseball, and I guess softball is just 1996 to 2008, so just four official Olympic games for, um, for softball. Uh, in baseball, Cuba won three gold medals. U.S. won one of the gold medals, and South Korea won the last one. Just some history there. So Japan is hosting the 2020 Games, and the host country can request that different sports be added to the sport lineup. And so they requested baseball and skateboarding and some other uh, other games and the IOC, International Olympic Committee, mm-hmm. they uh, they agreed to let all five come back in. Seemed like a bit of a surprise that baseball was let back in, just uh, reading some people that follow it more closely than I. Uh, but baseball and softball are only back for the 2020 games. There's no guarantee that it will be longer than that, and only six countries will be invited to the 2020 games. Uh, this is a much b- bigger deal for softball. It's kind of a national stage um, for softball, obviously baseball has the major leagues and uh, even college, um, but it's softball doesn't really have a, a professional stage like baseball. And uh, U.S. dominated softball when it was an Olympic sport. They won three of the four gold medals. Uh, so Passon looks into the, um, the history of why the IOC uh, kicked baseball and softball out. Major reason is that nine of the ten IOC presidents are from Europe. And baseball, of course, just isn't very popular in Europe, and they've really treated it like a second-class sport. Um, 
it was one of the, the very few times that the IOC has kicked a sport out of the Olympics. Hadn't happened for 70 years, but um, baseball and softball got the boot after the 2008 games. Passon also looks into the future of possibly having major league players or minor league players play in the Olympics. Uh, so after 2020, the next Olympic Games, 2024, could be held in Los Angeles. They're one of the finalists, and that decision won't come until fall of 2017. Uh, but this would be a good opportunity to let the minor league and major league players play, according to Passon. It would, uh, if it's 2024, it would give Major League Baseball seven years to prepare um, kind of a plan. Of course, it would be complicated because August is right in the middle of Major League season, mm-hmm. and so you'd have to do something like the NHL has done, but with the business of baseball so heavy on attendance and just the number of games, seems like it would be a tough sell to owners to give up all of that so their players could play in the Olympics every year. But who knows? Um, Paul, do you have an opinion on uh, baseball in the Olympics? Yeah, I I don't think it'll happen because of that last reason you just said. Do you uh, want baseball in the Olympics? I'm conflicted. Uh, looking back, the World Baseball Classic was actually kind of cool. Um, I am a fan as well. So, that's yeah. In, that's next spring, the next one? Yes. Um but uh, so yeah, I, part of me wants to see different countries represented, and um, but at the same time, it just the timing is awful. So uh, if I had a vote, I would probably say nay. But yep, I would say nay because of the World Baseball Classic. Pretty cool event. Fits better with the schedule. Uh, Bryce Harper though took to Instagram because I follow him, like I mentioned earlier. He wrote the following. Growing up, you dreamed to play in the show. You dreamed to play every day, no matter what. Trying to win and be the best you can for your team and city. Does this sound familiar, Paul? Mm-hmm. With that being said, nothing is like playing for your country, representing the red, white, and blue. Standing on the baseline, listening to the national anthem, and just knowing you represent something way bigger than yourself. Nothing in that moment or time it means more than the USA on your chest. I really hope we as a group have a huge opportunity to play in the Olympics in 2020. Hashtag USA, hashtag MLB. Wow, coming out strong. Very strong. So Harper is on the 2020 Olympic uh, bandwagon. And if enough major leaguers are on that bandwagon, I think it probably gets done in some fashion. If it's only six teams, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll just have to watch that. It's a long ways away. Well, that does it for Out of the Box. Next up, we have TWTW. When you can put some of those categories, you know, you got your OBPS and all that and the VORPs. When they can put in TWTW and then interface those numbers with TWTW under that category, then you might have something cooking. What, what, what TW is? Yeah, what is that? That's the will to win. All right. So as I mentioned, uh, for TWTW this week, we are going to look at base running. Last week I talked about uh, defense and defensive run saved, uh, a metric to look at that. This week I want to look at base running runs above average. This is the number of runs above or below average a player has been worth on the bases. So it takes into account stolen bases, takes into account how often you've been caught stealing, takes into account uh, extra bases that you've taken, um, avoiding double plays, all of that. Um, so, you know, admittedly, I. I don't know all the ins and outs of how Fangraphs figures the stat. I just know that it entails sort of a a holistic picture of a player's base running ability. Um, So similar to last week, I'll do uh, the best and the worst, and then the best and worst teams as well. So the best individuals, players that have been above six runs, uh, above average, we have, no surprise here, Billy Hamilton as the best base runner in baseball so far this year. It's pretty much the only reason he's in the majors. <laughs> um, Sterling Marte, Brett Gardner, Mike Trout, Rajay Davis, Mookie Betts, and Will Myers are also all above uh, six runs above average. Um, I thought Will Myers and um, Brett Gardner those surprised me. Um, you know, I don't think of them as being like the fastest guys, um, so that's probably a case where they're uh, creating value by taking the extra base or just staying out of double plays, that sort of thing. Um, the worst base runner so far this year, 
players that have been uh, below negative six below average. Uh, Miguel Cabrera has been the worst base runner. Victor Martinez and David Ortiz. Uh, I was not surprised with any of those. Um, all three of those guys provide more than enough value uh, via their bat to make up for being bad base runners and bad fielders as well. The best teams so far this year, base running wise, have been the Padres, the Twins, and the Indians. And then the worst base running teams have been the Mariners, the Athletics, the Angels, and the Royals. And uh, I just did a little bit of uh, quick research about uh, the importance of being a good base running team. Obviously, you would want your team to be a good base running team, but there's the question of whether it really makes a big difference you know, in terms of winning the World Series. Last year, amongst the 10 playoff teams, eight were in the eight were above average hmm. base running teams. So it is somewhat significant, but um, the 04 Red Sox that won the World Series, they were a really, really bad base running team, and yet they still won the World Series. So it's not essential. It does help, um, and most playoff teams are good base running teams. Good stuff. All right, that was TWTW. Next up, Sounds of the Game. This week's Sound of the Game uh, comes from August 5th, 2001. So we just celebrated the 15th anniversary of this game. It's between the Indians and Mariners. And uh, like I teased earlier, I think it's the best comeback in baseball history. Uh, not, you know, including context at all it's a regular season game in august but uh just from a strictly game perspective great comeback uh so this is the year that the mariners won 116 games at this point in the season they were 80 and 30 uh, which looks nuts when you write it down um the indians were still pretty good 61 and 48 at this point uh, and this game was on sunday night baseball so the the eyes of the nation were upon this event another just strange thing about this game. It's one month uh, before September 11th. Hmm. So just uh, a little weird to uh, to think about everyone that was watching and at this game. Uh, so the Mariners were up 14-2 to going into the bottom of the 7th. I guess up 12 runs going into the bottom of the 7th. The Indians, uh, they were the home team. Uh, they score 3 in the 7th and 4 in the 8th. Uh, so that's a lot of runs, but it's still only... 14-9 to nine going into the ninth inning. Uh, Lou Pinella brings in Jeff Nelson, who was a great reliever that year, uh, with runners on second, third, and two outs. So the Mariners um, have two outs on the Indians. Indians are down to their last, last out, uh, down by five runs with two runners on base. Jeff Nelson walks Will Cordero to load the bases, and uh, that's where we're going to pick up the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast. John Miller and Rick Sutcliffe are on the call. Thank, thankfully, no Joey Morgan. Uh, so here is that clip. Mickey Nelson saw a lot of pitches, giving him a workout. They've got another game against each other tomorrow here in Cleveland. Tell you, man, you'll have to be proud of his ball club. Proud. And Cordero took that pitch just out of the strike zone. But his team has battled back to get the tying run on the on-deck circle. Well, Brian Price on the phone to the bullpen. So here's Anar Diaz, who had a single and a run scored in the seventh. An infield single and a run scored in the eighth. Way outside, ball one. So Diaz gets on. Kenny Lofton would become the possible tying run of the game. And... The Seattle bullpen is up again. You know how bad Kenny Lofton wants to get to home plate tonight. It was a misplayed fly ball that started the scoring for the Seattle Mariners tonight. It was a bad judgment on a base running play that ended the scoring in the last inning for Cleveland. Toronto. And Nelson, the one look on the screen for him this year is that he does walk a lot of people. 29 walks in 46 innings, including the one that he just issued the Cordero, and now Rice out to the mound. You've got Sasaki. This is already a rule book save situation. 
and Nelson did not inherit it. It has become a safe situation because of his walk to Cordero. And the safe situation is that the possible time run is either at the plate or on deck. The possible time run at the moment is on deck. Nelson cannot get a save, but Sasaki could, which would be sort of a a small victory for Cleveland if they got him into the game on a night where they were down by 12. I don't think Nelson or Sasaki even had their spikes laced up. That's just right. Two and one. Three men on. Twabenzi at third base. Cordova, who's had four hits tonight at second. And Cordero at first. Two down in the ninth inning. 14 to nine. Seattle ahead. And there's ball three. Nelson is one pitch out of the strike zone away from bringing the possible tying run to the plate. And Luke Bernella said, wait a minute. This is, these are like the bad old days. This is the way that used to be with our bullpen here. Three and one to count. Popped up, foul, and out of play. Full count, so now all of the runners can take off. Crazy night at Jacobs Field. It got out of control early. For Cleveland, as Seattle built a 12 to nothing lead in the third inning. Well, he helped him out with it, didn't he? He did. I was a little bit surprised the take was not on there, knowing the tying run is in the on deck circle, not at home plate as of yet. In our Diaz, hitting 3 0 3. There go the runners. Tobinsy scores, Cordova scores, Cordero stops at second, and now Kenny Lofton will come up as the possible tying run. It is 14 to 11. Again, the Mariners led as late as the seventh inning, 14 to 2, and now Sasaki will get the call. Okay, so it's 14 to 11 now, and the uh, Mariners bring in Kaz Sasaki, their closer, to face Kenny Lofton. Lofton hits a single to load the bases, so it's still 14 to 11. And then Omar Vizquel comes up, uh, bases loaded, 14 to 11, 3 2 count. And uh, first, we're going to play the uh, Sunday Night Baseball version of it, John Miller, and then we're going to play the Indians radio. Uh, broadcast of it. Both of them are pretty excited. So here is uh, here's uh, John Miller with ESPN first. Just a little bit low. Three and two the count. And now they'll all be running. And Lofton, the possible time run at first. They'll get those extra few steps. So on a, an extra base hit, he could much more easily score the time run of the game. Cordero, Diaz, and Lofton there they go. Got a piece of it to stay alive. Colbert Cabrera would be next. In the history of Major League Baseball, a walk-off grand slam, so-called, as we call it on SportsCenter, with two down and the team trailing by three has occurred 13 times. But it also occurred last week in Pittsburgh when Brian Giles did it against Houston. Billy Wagner. There go the runners. And he lunges at it, popping it foul out of play. Continuing the battle still further with Sasaki. Cordero back to third. Diaz back to second. Lofton back to first. Lofton got a huge jump. I mean, it is critical for Lofton here to get as absolutely as big a jump as he can with this advantage of being able to run. 14 to 11 Mariners. Three on, two out. The runners go. Down the line! It's headed into the corner! One runner's in! And it goes through! They have tied the game! Fiscal to third! It's 14 to 14! Unbelievable! They have come back from a 12-run deficit and tied the game. Now they can go for the win. 
and they are delirious in downtown Cleveland. So the Indians tie it in the bottom of the ninth, but they do not win it there. So it goes to extras, and we will pick up the game with the Indians uh, radio team in the bottom of the 11th, runner on second, first and second, with uh, with one out. And uh, here is the walk-off. Cabrera, one for four, two-run single. The pitch. Swung in, line drive, base hit to left. Lost it around third. He's going to score the game winner. McLemore stole the slide. Not in time. The Indians with one of the most stunning comebacks in team history. So there it is, best comeback in baseball history, in my opinion. Paul, did you know that uh, church attendance went way up the next the next week? Yes, a lot of people wondering. I wonder how many uh, fans were left at the Se- Jake. Seemed, seemed like a lot. Seemed like a lot. The uh, drummer was still there. Yes, yes. Uh, so a few nuggets. Brian Price, pitching coach of the Mariners, is now the manager of the Reds, probably for the next two months, and then he's. Right. He's toast, but that was interesting. Uh, what makes the comeback even more impressive is that the Indians had, had uh, benched several regulars when they were down by so much. So Roberto Alomar, Juan Gonzalez, Ellis Burks, and Travis Fryman all came out of the game for replacements. So not only was it a worse lineup, but you had no uh, pinch hitters mm. or um, defensive replacements. Not as a big deal because it's an American League game, but uh, still you couldn't pinch hit for... Your bad hitters. Um, the 116 wins that the Mariners had that year tied the record. So had they won this game, they would have broken the record. The Mariners ultimately got revenge against the Indians. They beat them in the American League Division Series that year, 3-2, to two, uh, before the Yankees beat the Mariners. And then the Diamondbacks beat the Yankees in a, a dramatic uh, Game 7 of that World Series. Uh, so Paul... What do you make of all of this? Yeah, I would say that's the the best comeback in big league history. And I guess with my play index, when I can get home and on my computer, I can ver- <laughs> verify that that is, in fact. More impressive, uh, down 14-2 going into the seventh and come back, or down five with two outs and two strikes? Yeah, the last one. Yeah. Cause you, and against Jeff Nelson, who was like, I remember that slider oh. being just totally... Jeff Nelson and... Uh, Kasuzuki. The closer, yeah. Sasaki. Um, yeah, I saw it. Insane. All right, well, that does it for Sounds of the Game. Next up, we have an update on a couple different games that we do. Okay, so we got a couple updates. Uh, first up, the Memorial Day trade deadline game. It's an annual thing we do around here. Uh, Memorial Day of this year, we drafted, each drafted 10 players in a snake-style draft <clears throat> that we thought would get traded before the trade deadline, and then those players' uh, innings pitched and at-bats would be counted together, and then the team with the highest wins. Uh, so, Paul, have you looked at the I have. Uh, yeah, you went 2 for 10. Not your best effort. And you went 6 for 10, so did pretty good. Uh, but I'm still winning right now. Yeah, that won't last long. So I'm up 121 to 74. Uh, you have Aaron Hill and... James Shields has not pitched well recently. That could hurt me. 
Uh, a question I had, though. Are we counting guys that get traded in August? Yeah. Is there anyone on that list that has a good chance of getting traded in August? Yeah. Hmm. See, I think we say no. And that's your only way of winning. Well, I, I'm going to do it the right way. Yeah. August trades always seem kind of lame to me. I, mean, I have Rich Hill, Drew, Drew Pomerantz. Hill, not, you know, got injury stuff with the blister. Uh, Eric Johnson is in the minors with the Padres. Could not pitch. Pomerantz, not been very good. Kashner, injury concerns. Luke Roy and Bruce are going to get you a lot of uh, at-bats. Yeah, you have no way of winning unless we include August. I I say no to August. Is Aaron Hill playing every day for the Red Sox? Of course not. So you have uh, a crappy James Shields and a platoon player utility, versus Luke, player, Luke Roy, yes. Bruce, Andrew Kashner, and Drew Pomerantz. And Rich Hill. And Rich Hill. Yes. I say we include August to make it competitive. Okay. Uh, I'm nixing it. No August. All right. Integrity matters. Uh, next up, our summer flicks promotion. Each summer, we uh, come up with a category of movies, and then people send in movies from that category that they want to watch. We send them the DVD, <clears throat> or give them our Netflix password. They watch that movie as we watch that movie in different locations, and we live tweet the experience. Great time. Had a lot of fun last year, the inaugural year. Uh, with David from Chicago and Josh from Minneapolis. So a great first year. Uh, this year, very excited again. Uh, Paul, do you have the hats with the names in it ready? I do. Great. Well, uh, we will dry, We will draw live on the podcast. Uh, one note is that David from Chicago has won himself a spot in every summer flicks. So he was automatically wins. Uh, we're going to watch Angels in the Outfield with him. Great. So look forward to that. He'll be on the podcast again. All right, so the next one. I am drawing right now Scott from Chicago wins with Sandlot. That's a good selection. And the next one, drawn out of the hat here, Matt from Rochester, Minnesota, with a league of their own. Nice. So congrats to David, Scott, and Matt. Uh, three longtime listeners so of the podcast. We've got A League of Their Own, Angels in the Outfield, and Sandlot. Yes. It's a quality list. So I, I was feeling bad that it was all guys that had won, both last year and this year. But A League of Their Own, women playing baseball. So yeah. Very diverse. Very diverse. Okay. You sound like Donald Trump. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, well, that does it for our updates. Next up, bottom of the ninth. All right, first up, we have Say My Name. Name this week, I'll keep this quick, is Kevin Quackenbush. Are you familiar with Quackenbush? Sounds familiar. Pitcher? Yeah, currently. Um, he's currently in AAA, but he's a pitcher for the Padres. Uh, he's actually a pretty good relief pitcher. 344 ERA in three big league seasons, whip of 1.19. Um, he's 27, went to the University of South Florida. Um, made his debut in 2014. Six career saves and a very funny last name. <laughs> Quackenbush, the only player in big league history with the uh, word quack in his name in any form. <laughs> and the Padres do play the quack, quack, quack from the Mighty Ducks as he comes into games. Um, very so cool. Kevin Quackenbush is your name this week. Uh, Gene Carlos Stanton just hit another home run against in, Kevin Quackenbush. No, in uh, in Colorado, his numbers there, career numbers are crazy. Uh, Ichiro is zero for three though, so far. So it doesn't look like we'll be able to announce that live on the podcast. Okay, my Yahoo answer of the week is nothing. Paul, I thought you kind of filled that answer earlier. You asked the the Twitter question, A Rod's career in five words. Yeah. And I also just ran out of time. So next week I'll have a Yahoo question of the week. Is there a Yahoo question? You should look this up. The Asking why A-Rod slapped the ball out of Arroyo's club. That's a good question. I'll look it up next week. All right. Uh, time for Pick Your Team. 26 weeks in the baseball season. Each week Paul and I pick a team that 
team's record is our record. Can't pick the same team twice. Loser of this season-long battle has to record better up uh, by himself as an intro in the offseason. My teams last week, the Yankees and the Giants, uh, went 7-6, and six, and Yankees and the Cardinals for Paul also went 7-6. and six. So no ground in either direction. I keep my nine-game lead. 68 and 41 versus 64 and 50. Paul, who are your teams this week? I'm going with the Indians and the Orioles, who hopefully don't play each other <laughs> because I never look at schedules. Actually, I looked that up right now. I'm going with the Braves and the Angels. And uh, again, I'm mailing it in this week. I uh, didn't spend a lot of time looking at schedules. Uh, as Paul looks up the schedule on his iPhone, I will tell you that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Make sure to leave us a review there. You can also find us on Stitcher. We haven't mentioned that, but uh, just type a foot in the box in the Stitcher, and you'll find us. You can send us emails at afootinthebox at gmail.com. That's afootinthebox at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at afootinthebox, and check us out online at afootinthebox.com. I'm in the clear. They do not play each other. They do not play each other. Great. Um, well, Paul, you got anything else? Do not. Let's uh, have fun watching each row hit 3,000 and speculating about who A-Rod will play for next. Yes, A-Rod, best of luck getting to 700. We're all rooting for you. Remember to keep a foot in the box. We'll talk to you next week. This is a tough day. I love this game, and I love this team. And today, I'm saying goodbye to both.